my vehicle. I told you not to buy the vehicle. I'm getting out my vehicle, bro. What are you talking to me like that? I can get out my vehicle. Really, the video is a game changer in the story because when we were first approached for the story, we were provided the video of the backseat passenger. Why are you putting your hands on We actually were able to get our hands on 18 additional angles. I get you out. And as soon as we saw that, it just switched in our minds, in everyone's minds, what exactly happened that day. What am I getting arrested for? What am I getting arrested for? What does it take to get a more in-depth look into the week's top local news story? The Debrief brings you inside for a one-on-one -on -one conversation with our reporter, right here, right now. The Debrief. Welcome, everyone, to The Debrief. And for the time being, we've been focusing on our coverage of race and racism and how race and bias intersect with various aspects of society. We're hoping to paint a fuller picture of issues that have always been with us, but surged to the top of the nation's consciousness with the killing of George Floyd. And this week, we've got a really unique opportunity. It's a story brought to us by Erica Byfield. It involved a lot of intensive work. We had about 20 video angles of a stop, an NYPD stop of a motorist. Let's listen to a little bit of the story. The video is harrowing. Why are you reaching for your gun? Shot from the back seat of a car in Harlem. Put your hands up, bro. Five friends surrounded by NYPD officers. Why are you here right there for? Reach for your taser. Eric Holloway, who works as a youth counselor for the city's administration of children's services, is behind the wheel. Oh, what's the problem? He gave us this video because he says this stop is about to spiral out of control. I don't know. I think we might get arrested. I don't know. I was never an aggressor. I never did anything that was should have resulted in me getting injured. I'm not doing nothing. But the video Eric gave us isn't the only record of what happened that night. We've obtained video from 19 other cameras, mostly police body cams. Together, they provide a rare picture of what can happen during a traffic stop involving a young black man, how it can go wrong in ways you might not expect. To understand how this went down on the morning of June 7th in East Harlem and how Eric says he was injured, you have to rewind to the beginning. It was the last night of the curfew. It was just a regular stop, you know, license registration. Eric had four friends in the car, including one he'd just picked up. He told officers he was taking them home. For a young black man with no criminal record, it was a painfully familiar routine. Probably get stopped twice a week, three times a week. Since 2020 has started, well over 15, 20 times, I guess. The reason for this stop, a mystery to Eric. Everybody put their hands up. I asked him, could you at least tell me what I'm being pulled over for? And I never got an answer. Minutes tick by, more police arrive. Let's hit pause here for just a moment because how you see what happens next, that is going to depend on your point of view. Two top experts, Bill Chapman was a chief of patrol and deputy commissioner of training for the NYPD. On the other hand, Vincent Sutherland, he is the executive director for the Center of Race, Inequality and the Law at NYU. Everyone in the car is fearful about why it is they're being stopped. Telling him why he was stopped really was it mandatory. It seems like all the de-escalation training went out the window. I think the tactics were excellent. There would not have been any injury uh, to the driver had he not offered such severe resistance. I'm getting out the vehicle. Ain't nothing about the vehicle, brother. I'm getting out the vehicle. I'll tell you nothing about the vehicle. You're not coming out the vehicle, right? 
What the police didn't tell Eric is that they pulled him over because they wanted the friend that he'd picked up minutes before. You saw the guy jump out of the car? Uh, yeah, I saw him when he walked out. Where's Brad? Where's Brown? What's up? Got a hat? Yeah, red. Yeah, that's him. That's him. Yep. All right, pull him out. Step out. Step out. Yeah. It's okay. It's no problem. No problem. No problem. Uh, that man matched the description of someone who was involved in a car accident and fled the scene, which he never told Eric. All I know and recall is that um, he had got into a situation and he needed a ride home. I'm getting out of my car. As soon as he was, you know, taken out of the vehicle, that's when I decided to try to also get up because me being a driver... I felt like it was my responsibility. I'm getting out of my vehicle. Multiple angles of this moment provide a more complete picture. Eric admits he disobeyed orders from officers and actually climbed halfway out of his window before being pulled out. You want to get out? I'll get you out. Seems black and white, right? Being resistant and ignoring the officers, he created a situation that didn't need to exist. What I saw was, was just completely unnecessary brutality. People are entitled to their, to their opinions, but they didn't do, the officers did nothing inappropriate. The reality is that far too often we've seen people who comply with the police, comply with every single command that the police have given, um, and still end up um, losing their life. I mean, let's not forget that George Floyd, I cannot breathe. who was completely compliant with the police officers, was laying on his stomach in handcuffs. In fact, George Floyd was on everyone's mind when this happened. The nine minutes that he laid on the ground as an officer knelt on his neck. Black Lives Matter protests were sweeping through the city. Just because of the, the way that the world is moving at the time of this. No justice! No peace! I did not feel safe inside my vehicle. What are y'all doing, bro? I'm not even doing nothing, bro. But back outside his vehicle, it only got worse. Police say Eric resisted arrest. He says the cops roughed him up and injured his arm. In my head, I'm telling myself, don't do nothing out of the ordinary to get yourself shot or something. In the aftermath of Eric's arrest, chaos. A woman who tried to help Eric got tackled. A man filming from the sidewalk was accused of bumping a cop. Both detained, neither charged. Meanwhile, the women in the car confused about what to do. Don't Sir, say nothing, excuse bro. me, is it okay if we get out? In so many different ways, this could have ended in a situation that, that didn't have to result in, in the type of violence that we saw on that tape. The need for better communication is one thing that our experts agree on. In a perfect world, uh, the officer would state exactly what's wrong, and the person who was the subject of that communication would understand. What am I getting arrested for? But like so many of these situations, we're left with more questions then answers. What am I getting arrested for? What am I getting arrested for? I question whether they would have treated a car full of, of older white um, uh, people in the same way that they treated the people in that car. I'm back now and happy to be joined by Erica Byfield. So much to unpack here, Erica, but just quickly for the those listening to the podcast, obviously they couldn't see the video, but they probably heard the net and they could hear some of the conflict. Just take us through real quickly what happened here. So it was a night uh, back in early June when a man was in a car, young man in his 20s, with four of his friends, and they were leaving Upper Manhattan and they were gonna head to Queens. And they got pulled over in Harlem. And they didn't know why they got pulled over, at least that's what they told us at the time. Um, all of a sudden they say multiple police officers surround the car, they're asking questions about what's going on. 
And at one point, as you pointed out, at least 20 police officers showed up. That's why we have at least that many angles. We have 18 police angles, but there are other officers who were on the scene as well. And then eventually people just start coming out of the car. One person from the back seat, the driver says that made him nervous. So he decided to try to ask some questions. The police did not respond well to that. But it's in our investigative efforts through the story that we realized that the driver actually pulled his own body halfway out the window. And when that happened, the lieutenant, the highest ranking person on the scene at that day, he came around the car and that's the person you hear saying, oh, you wanna get out? I'll pull you out. He pulled that gentleman out down on the ground, eventually he was cuffed, and then after that, pretty much a melee as other people tried to jump in and help that original driver. Multiple people detained that night, but only one person arrested and charged, and that was the guy, the driver of the vehicle. So, Eric, obviously it happens at a time when there's a national conversation, a reinvigorated conversation, as we've said, about police tactics about race and the role that plays in police encounters with citizens, with black citizens. And it's fascinating that we had so many angles of video of this incident. And video has been a game changer in recent years, right? Not only for police, but for us in the media, uh, because everyone essentially is armed with a camera, with their smartphone. Take us through that aspect of the story and, and, and a little bit of the reporting and the work that you and, and photographer editor Evan Stahlberger had to do. Really, the video was a game changer in the story because when we firstly, when we were first approached for the story, we were provided the video of the backseat passenger. Then after that, we were able to get a video from a witness from across the street. And then we thought we sort of knew what was going on. We reached out to the NYPD, reached out to the DA's office, and we were kind of awaiting response. But around that time, we actually were able to get our hands on 18 additional angles. One of the attorneys involved shared with us the police body cam footage from that day. And as soon as we saw that, it just switched in our minds, in everyone's minds, what exactly happened that day. Because up until this very moment, David, the NYPD has not responded to any of our requests for information on this case. But by reviewing four hours worth of police camera video, we were able to determine why they stopped that car to begin with, what and what ultimately happened to the people involved. I think sometimes viewers don't realize the effort that goes into uh, vetting a video and what we report, how we report it. Oftentimes police departments will say that snippet of video doesn't show the full circumstance. Sometimes a citizen will say that snippet of video, of police body cam video. There really is a labor intensive process for this. It really, it was. Um, and I would say that it was probably the most grueling part of this but it was probably the most rewarding as well, especially when we finally started to get answers that we weren't getting from the police department, at least verbally or written in any way. Um, when we had them talking about the scene and what, uh, what we haven't said yet to people listening to this podcast is why they actually stopped the car. We found that out. They wanted to talk to the person in the back seat of the car, the first person they pulled out. They thought that he may have been a drunk driver involved in a crash nearby. So by watching that video, we got those answers. The other thing you were able to do is have a calm, measured reaction from uh, two sides in this or two stakeholders in this conversation, a retired veteran NYPD chief and an academician who studies this. And, and it was interesting to hear them in their juxtaposition. Really, it was, especially, I mean, I don't know if they want to draw attention to this, but both were African-American men uh, and they had differing views on what happened that day. One saw this as a clear cut tactical win for the police department. The other one thought it crossed the line and literally used the line, he thought de-escalation went out the window. And I think 
when I talk to them prior to interviewing them for the story, when you hear more about their backgrounds, obviously, uh, especially with the police officer, you can understand why maybe he came down on the side he did versus the other gentleman, Vincent Sutherland, because of his experience. He was telling me that he was raised in Connecticut and as a teen, he had an experience where police mistook him for someone entering his own house, robbing his own house, which he did not do. But that has shaped his career going forward and that's obviously why he's an advocate now for situations like this. Yeah, it's an interesting perspective on the emotional weight that all of us sometimes bring to the table, both as citizens, both as cops, what have you. You point the viewer towards the end to kind of draw their own conclusions or make their own assessments, and that is the role of race. And uh, I think Mr. Sutherland asked the question, would it have played out the same way had it been a car filled with white teenagers or white people? But you kind of let the viewer, after presenting all these angles and both sides, kind of land there. Interesting way. Yeah, I think that was important because there is no, there are no clear-cut answers, I think, in this case, because people looking at the video may say, oh, well, I don't agree with the driver. Why was he trying to get out of the car? People may say, oh, well, I think the police are a little too aggressive. So it brings us back to that question, especially given the climate at the time. This happened just a few days after George Floyd had died. Uh, the driver, when we pressed him on that, um, he felt like it did have to do with race because he was afraid, because he's a black man, of what they might do to his friend and what they might do to him. And he also was of the opinion that if it was somebody else, that this may not have happened to them given the color of their skin. Vincent Sutherland obviously agreed with that. He felt strongly about that. But on the other hand, Bill Chapman, the retired police officer, didn't agree. He pointed out the fact that many police officers on the scene that night were African-American. So he thinks uh, race was not an issue. Many of us felt, and I was, I actually considered myself honored to be able to witness part of your, 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 your work process in putting this together, merely as an observer and, and helping out. But we felt like this is a teaching tool for journalism classes, I think for us. I'm curious, any takeaways for you having gone through this? I think it's keep asking questions. When we got the first two videos, again, we thought we sort of understood what was going on, but once we got that additional video, that's when we realized we needed to go back and re-interview the driver of the car because we had questions for him. Did he know that his friend was the person the police wanted to talk to? Why didn't he tell us that he pulled his body halfway out of the car in that video? But those are the things that, if there's anything to take away, it's follow up and press for those answers because we wanted to make sure the story was fair and balanced and we're only gonna accomplish that if we follow up in that way. Fascinating. Look, understanding that some people may find this podcast down the road, uh, but as we stand now at the moment that we are speaking, what happened to the individuals in this? The, the individual who's being pursued, perhaps, the driver, uh, the police department, just bring us up to speed. So the police department, from what we're hearing from them, which again is nothing, um, we have though heard from the district attorney's office, they tell us they're still reviewing this case um, and the charges against Eric, Eric Holloway are still pending, he's the driver. Um, he was the only one again arrested that night. The person that the police were originally seeking, the backseat person uh, in the car, we have learned that he received a summons or a ticket essentially for leaving the scene of an accident. And when we reviewed that body camera footage, we could see that they took him back to the precinct that night. They did a sobriety test on him, multiple tests, but at the end of the day, what he received was a ticket. The two other people who were tackled in the video that we saw, both of them were detained briefly, but neither were charged. So the only person facing charges from this incident was the driver of the vehicle. And those charges are resisting? Resisting arrest and obstruction of government administration. Fascinating look, Erica Byfield, thank you so much. And we thank you for listening. We thank our production team, Melissa Mack, Darren Price, Ben Berkowitz. I'm your host, David Ushery. We will check you next time on The Debrief. Ah! <sighs>